right, here we are in studio. Dan Lukowitz, Dan on top. We've got an incredible guest, Yeshaya Averbach. Yeshaya, how are you? Doing great, thank God. Oh, okay, you, awesome. Dan? I'm doing awesome. It's great to see you. You're a fun-loving, awesome guy. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Yeshaya, you've got an illustrious background. We're going to talk a bit about it. But before we get into it, I want to know in your words, tell the audience, who is Yeshaya Averbach? Yeshaya Averbach is a hardworking husband, a father to three. Uh, I would hope I have a distinguished reputation that I live up to. And uh, I hope that over the years I've learned to be more brutally honest than I have been over the years as I grow in my business world. Um, and uh, that's not always easy to say. But those are aspirations to continue to be as forthcoming about an ever-changing world and ever-changing dynamics, both in the interpersonal relationships, family relationships, business relationships. Um, and uh, that's who you shy off buckets. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, you know, like I said, you've got a pretty illustrious background, both in the hospitality sector as well as the commercial brokerage sector. So tell us a little bit about how you got your start in hospitality and uh, what led you into the brokerage world and then back into hospitality. Uh, Back in 1984, my father had acquired a total of five hotels in South Beach. And at that point, uh, it was still not changing in the dynamics of the demographics. Uh, But anyone who remembers Miami back in the 70s and uh, mid 80s remembers that the elderly Jewish clientele were there and during getting closer to the 90s became a transformation from the gay community, the more of the hip community. Um, And I began working in my father's hotel starting at about eight years old. Uh, and learning the departments and learning the responsibilities and being able to juggle uh, multi-businesses and multi-structures. Awesome. Uh, from bars to uh, – we were we had a bars and restaurants inside the uh, hotels as well. That's great. And tell us a little bit about your background as a broker. I know you have a pretty interesting background uh, representing some major national tenants. Tell us a little bit about that. In uh, 98, 99, when study abroad, there had uh, chose to sets of his portfolio of hotels. And uh, at the time, I loved shopping. And I understood habits of consumer habits. And I decided that I was going to become a broker. And I went to Manhattan and identified probably the best top three uh, brokerage firms. And I identified Winnick Realty at the time to be one of the top elite, more of a family house. Um, And I had called them up and I told them I was interested in uh, setting up an interview. Uh, There was no job postings. There was none of that. And I had set up an interview with one of their managing directors. And uh, within the month, climbed up all the way to the CEO and had my interview with them and became the youngest associate at the age of 20. Uh, starting to identify uh, retail locations uh, and identify tenants. Awesome, awesome. So tell us, during that period, what were some of the most fascinating or insightful things that you learned? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get on the phone. 
Don't be afraid to make representations that you're going to learn along the way as well. Um, I was a Miami boy in the New York City jungle. And uh, six months into my career, I'd called an owner about a piece of property that I thought would be great for a gas station. And I had called ExxonMobil, asking them who to send the property to. And they said, well, send it to us. I said, you don't have a broker you'd like, to, like me to send it to you? They said, well, just send us the information. We'll review it. And I followed up with them two weeks later. They said they were going to be in New York. And I took a driver with me. And it's not like Uber today. You know, back in 2000, it was a little bit different. And I took a guy in a Lexus and picked them up. And we, I showed them New York. And before you know it, they asked me to come to uh, Fairfax, Virginia to give a real estate lecture. Um, so there was about uh, 200 people uh, in attendance. And I spoke about the New York Metro markets. And uh, with the, within a month, I landed ExxonMobil as an exclusive tenant uh, in the New York Metro market, who at the time was the largest retailer in the world. Um, and then to follow that, uh, before Blockbuster's collapse, uh, colossal collapse, uh, I represent a Blockbuster and Family Dollar and Safeguard Self-Storage, regional supermarket chain of key food supermarkets. Um, and it was an exciting ride uh, for seven years. Wow, that's great. Awesome. So you had the, the hospitality background. You ventured off into investment sales and brokerage, representing some major national tenants. And then you found yourself back in the hospitality world. So how did you find yourself back in that space? There's a lot. There's a lot of commonalities between retail and hospitality. Um, understanding consumer habits and understand consumer needs, you find the commonalities of obvious customer service. Um, but it's more than that. It's how to put a figure, put your pulse on exactly where the finger needs to be, and get a real pulse. Um, you hear about people's and their problems. And once you identify problems, you create solutions. And the people that I met had a problem. Uh, they had a homeless shelter in New York City. I, and when I heard about the location, I said, well, I walk by that every single day. It's on the corner of 34th and 3rd Avenue in Manhattan. You're two blocks away from the Empire State Building. And um, I created a formula that was successful. Uh, it was the largest for-profit hostel hotel in New York City. And uh, a lot of it's just applying common sense that most people either don't have or when they're in tight predicaments, they can't think clearly to alternative solutions to a problem. Yeah. I mean, I think that's some, some interesting insight there. Um, you know, being that you have such a varied background and have had experiences all across the gamut of commercial real estate, what advice do you have to people watching? We're in unprecedented times. Um, I could tell you that it, it takes a lot of hard work, uh, never sleep, <laughs> always work on it. But as a God-fearing Jew, I also feel that as hard as you work, it doesn't mean as much as to what's destined for you with putting in your, your effort. Um, but being in unprecedented times, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. Sure. You can't be afraid to, to do things that are just not traditional in untraditional times. And, um... Being creative today can go two ways. It could be overly creative or uh, under creative. But the fear of not being able to be successful in whatever you're doing 
Um, once you uh, include your passion into it, it, ultimately you will find your channel of success. And it could be a lack of timing or a predicament of, a, uh, of something like COVID that doesn't make a difference what you're doing. You got to channel your way through the, 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 the rough terrain and the tough water. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. I think passion is an important piece to grab onto. If you can bring passion into your daily life, it just becomes more energizing and, and enjoyable. So I think that that's definitely some good insight there, Yeshaya. Um, wanted to ask you, you know, I know a little bit of insider information because you and I are friends. Um, you talk about creativity. You talk about the hospitality space. Tell us a little bit about your project in South Florida. It's something I'm passionate about, and I've been interested to be involved in peripheral ways. But I'm curious if you could just, in your own words, tell us what's going on down there and what you guys are doing. Coming from the retail sector, I love the economy portion of the retail sector. Uh, for a few years, uh, I represented uh, um, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, but I fell in love with Family Dollar, and I loved being able to teach them, and it took a few years how to really enter an urban market in which they're familiar with but paying the freight to, to be there in your, in your rents and how to be creative. Um, so being the fact that I love the economy sector, I love the, uh, the, the commonality of hostels, um, but more it was being able to travel on a budget. And the project in, Flor in, in Fort Lauderdale uh, is a 196-room hotel. It's an economy hotel. It was a neglected property when, when purchased with a very strong occupancy. And um, we made a few mistakes along the way. Uh, we uh, thought that by uh, having a flag on the hotel will increase the traffic to the property. And actually, that did the reverse. Uh, we brought on a flag. And thank God, uh, we severed the arm to save the body. And we changed gears a few times over uh, while figuring this property out. When you're dealing with certain projects just because of business, you really have to match up the, the timing, the demographic, the location uh, to all of this. Uh, at the time when we were under contract, uh, we had heard word that the Six Flags was going to open up a half a block away from us, a uh, new water park. And by the time we closed, that all changed. And in the last three years, uh, the new uh, Miami soccer team uh, just built a brand new stadium down the street from us. And we got very excited about a new stadium opening and playing their first game in April. And before you know it, COVID hit and <laughs> an 18,000 seat stadium is sitting there vacant, you know, after they yeah. built this thing. So you really just got to keep trucking away. The expectations of making money is always on the forefront. Uh, but you can't be afraid to keep maneuvering through it. That's right, yeah. Got to go strong, keep maneuvering through it, and don't let fear set in. Uh, keep moving. Stay passionate. I always say, you know, we have a good friend, Perry Sassoni, always says, always be hustling. If you're always moving and always hustling, things are going to drop. I think it's uh, oftentimes in sales and in business, it's a numbers game. And the more that you move, the more that you do, the more that works out. So listen, you know, on that vein, where do you see things trending over this uh, this next, let's say, 12 to 18 months in, in commercial real estate? I think you got to hone in on the fear. You got to hone in on the fear of the unprecedented timing market and the lack of uh, interest by the lenders and banks today. Mm -hmm. 
Um, when banks have zero interest in doing anything, it, it obviously makes things a little bit more difficult, but it also creates a little bit more opportunity, knowing that everyone's in the same position. Um, I probably spoke with, a, we've been working with about 50 lenders on one deal probably in the last few weeks. And when I say there's zero appetite, there's zero appetite for retail, office space, hospitality, and they're scrutinizing the multifamily game today. Um, so you really got to be open and honest about where you're at. Uh, I was talking to a lender and we were being brutally honest with the situation that to refinance right now is difficult. Yeah. And I, I, I do believe that there's an opportunity to capitalize, but I, I don't believe that everyone is out to hurt you either. And that's why I said, being brutally honest, uh, even the playing field today, I think we've all been affected. I don't care what business you're in. You're in this world. You're, you're affected. Um, and you got to stay on course and be able to pivot when you're able to. But listen to people's problems. Uh, chances are, as long as we're open to listen to other people's problems, that's where the true opportunities are going to lie. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's important to listen and, and to be an active listener. And like you said, looking for solutions. I mean, can't argue with that. People love solutions. At least most people do. So look, you've had, I've said this over and over again, you've had a, ver a varied background with a lot of success in many different industries. Let's say you could press pause and then rewind, go back in time. Knowing everything you know now, what advice would you give to yourself at a much younger age? Good question. Eh? He's thinking. <laughs> to myself, I don't think I would have done anything different. The risk wow. that I've taken is who I am today. And I was very... to have supportive parents that when money was flowing uh, and I was single, uh, they propelled me to take the risks that I wasn't able to take then that I can take now, uh, being the fact that I have more responsibilities to my family. Um, so I don't think I would have done anything different in Rewind. But in a pause situation, uh, I think that there's two sides to every coin, and there's certain the world is divided, and the world is divided between those who are takers and those who are givers, which has always been that way, but more reliant on government than ever before. Mm -hmm. And put politics aside, you have to know which side of your approach you're going to take are you going to be that giver or are you going to be that taker and my philosophy is the more you give the more you'll get in absolutely. other ways absolutely. Um, but don't be ache when you need it you have to be able to ask for it. Sure. and you have to put your ego and um, this is not about ego anymore you can't ride on that high horse the guys who are riding the high horses are still trying to get a bank to finance their same deals that's today right. or refunds. 
the same problems. Care how many jets they had and how many cars they had. They're having the exact same, same problems. So just tabled everything. That's why I'm saying there's no reason not to be brutally honest. You know, there's no sugarcoat anything. Say it the way it is, and people respect you more. Brutally honest approach. And just try to be creative along the way to solve those problems. That's right. The hotel, when the pandemic started, um, I saw different items that leasing offices. um, So on myself to start marketing and got favorable uh, uh, approaches on rentdepartments.com. And so I started a hotel for weekly and monthly rent, something that I was always adamantly against uh, because it affects the the atmosphere. Um, The the other things that we did, I reached out to nonprofit organizations uh, local city, state, county, um, every politician you could. There you go. Listen, Shia, yeah, thank you so much. Of really, really appreciate you uh, joining uh, us here today. For housing needs. Uh, calls from yeah. uh, the county saying, hey, people need to be put on a minute. I had the city manager to call me saying, you're not taking that. Yeah. Shia, thank you so much for joining Pleasure. us. You were really an awesome guest. Really, really appreciate your time here. Shia Aberbach. Dan on top. I'm Dan Lukowitz. Thank you, everyone, for watching and joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next time.